Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. I'm Maddie, your host, speaker, and very passionate speech-language pathology advocate. You are listening to the Speechless SLP series with Vanessa Abraham, and you get a unique perspective in each one of these episodes on her journey being the speechless SLP in the ICU bed, unable to talk. So welcome to this series of the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. Glad you are here. Sit back, take a listen. Happy Mother's Day. I'm wishing our guests happy Mother's Day for a very good reason. We are here with Vanessa Abraham and her mom. So welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. Happy Mother's Day to you, too. It's been a good day. Uh We decided to record this episode on Mother's Day because your mother, Pam, had a very important supportive role, as well as your father, in your recovery because you have a family. And when you started going through your medical journey and the crises and the recovery, they were key in stepping in. Absolutely. I don't know what I would have done without them. So can you give us a little context, Pam? Welcome. I have adult children. And so you're going to be speaking to my heart a little bit because it's easier when you have a younger child because you can go in and fix. But with older children, you sometimes have to have more of a stand back because they have spouses. What was it like for you being the mother of Vanessa and and watching this unfold? Well, it was pretty difficult waiting for information from him, but yet I didn't want to know like it. If he sent something late at night after he came from the hospital, I didn't want to read it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sleepy. Mm-hmm. So I morning and with my husband, and I would read his text, because I didn't, it just... You weren't ready. was a lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of There's a lot of approaches we use when we're presented with overwhelming information, denying, minimizing, rationalizing, and and hitting the pause button is a very legitimate, reasonable way to handle some of the things, the emotions and the information and the scariness that you had. Right. So then, then you did wake up in the morning and you read some of those texts. And how did that go for you? I had to have a dictionary or go back on <laughs> my phone and figure out what what he was talking about. Yeah, that was difficult. And my husband's sitting there and I'm trying to say, well, this is what he said. I don't know what that means, but a lot of the medical terminology yeah. was too complex. Oh, yes. It was Okay. Good perspective. So when we have a situation like this and we have a a care support support person who is maybe not active in technology and medical terminology, simplify things. Definitely. You know, technology to get information was difficult. You know, he had only a certain amount of time that he could even talk to us. Mm -hmm. Not talk, but text us. Mm -hmm. His focus was on Vanessa. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. he was he was in rounds and, you know, he was busy consulting with doctors. And um, so, yeah, the time that he was able to finally get back to the family and let everybody know what was going on was usually late at night when he got home. That's correct. And I didn't want to be reading stuff when my granddaughter was around either. Mm-hmm. I made sure I wasn't 
doing that when she was there. That was my very next question. When you were caring for Vanessa's family and things shifted from their home to your home, what kind of words did you use to explain to her family what was happening? We didn't talk about it too much. It was at meals. We would always say, pray for our, her mom to get better. And she accepted it very well at three years old. Okay. So that's all we did, and we, she went to school. She was an excellent child, and it didn't get talked about too much. Okay. And that my and mom worked better. She would say, "My mommy's getting better every day," and we would agree with her. Good, excellent, just simple and at her level. Uh-huh. And positive. At school, I don't think anybody talked about it either. And she was fine. Were you at all involved with Vanessa's inability to communicate because she was trached at a time? Or was that, did you ever make it? Did I know you made it to the ICU a couple of times. No. No? We were there when she was able to talk. Okay, good. At the local hospital, I don't think she was, and she was pointing at words. She would say to me at the very beginning to go home, take my baby and go home. You were signing? Yes. I knew what she said. I knew what she was feeling. I think that's one of those things that a mom would know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom to mom, they know what they know yeah. what the other one thinks and what the other one needs. Yeah, she she didn't want me at the hospital. She wanted me with her daughter at home, focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So, was there a positive memory through all of this? The whole trial from beginning to end. You know, oh. it was traumatizing and hard and and, and difficult. Positive memories? They raised, with the element and everything, a wonderful, wonderful child. Mm. You know, and they kept it from her. I didn't see any negativity on her part through all this. She was... Never really worried. Uh, And I think that was a big part of Vanessa and Dale not wanting her Mm -hmm. alarmed about anything. And they were great parents through this. We tried really hard to shelter her from the reality of what was unfolding in our family. Yes. You know, it was very difficult to be, you know, two and a half hours away and not being there and when we were there they had Vanessa looking like the queen (laughs) and she was the queen and presented herself to her daughter unbelievably well that's great the staff everybody was so supportive of her daughter coming and her being there with her mom so I don't think she had any 
bad feelings afterwards seeing her mom or anything. Sure, mom was in bed not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And she was going to get better and come home. Yes. And until then, I'm staying with grandma and grandpa, having fun. Yes, and there's was some things that were like a miracle or coincidence. I don't know how to say it, but we knew at one time that she was being transported to a certain hospital and my husband and I wanted to see where she was being transported. And I don't know how it happened, but we arrived at the hospital the moment she was in the ambulance coming in. It was quite an unbelievable experience. I go to my husband, I says, well, there's the ambulance, they're bringing her in. And I don't know if that was the best thing for her daughter, but it just happened. Mm-hmm. We were there. Here's the ambulance. And there's Vanessa coming. Dale's right behind them. It was something like a miracle that and wasn't even planned. So you're reaching out. Your daughter's sick. You're reaching out to Dale for, or Dale's reaching back to you for the information. You're watching their family. How did that interrupt your your life and your your husband's life? Not from a negative, like interrupted, but can you give us some depth of the sacrifice and the commitment? You know, I don't I don't think it was any real challenge. It was just something that we did every day. We had our routine. And, you know, we corresponded with Dale about different things, you know, and I think the time went really fast. She was a great child. My husband was great supporting anything that I was doing or vice versa. He, w- he was there for her or I was there. I said, well, if I can't pick her up, he was there to pick her up and we're always on time and it, it worked. So looking back, were there two things that you would have changed any way to make anything of what you went through better? What can we learn from what you went through? Vanessa went through. You, you as the support person for Vanessa. That I went through. Mm -hmm. Caring for her family. Is there anything, any perspective Any lessons learned that you wished you'd known looking back? No, I really can't think of anything. I just. That's good. That's fine. Did did what we had to do. And she was at the local hospital for rehab. We were down there every day. Took her, her daughter with us. And that was a very positive thing for her daughter. And I think. Vanessa, mm-hmm. to have us close. I think that was important. I'm glad she decided to go the route of being close to the family. I would say that that's probably one thing that you learned is that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, to those people going through this, that Sometimes insurance wants to send you to different facilities. I think one of the things that being home with family 
helps heal your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's a piece of overall healing. I learned and I, you know, I was there with you when we made that decision, mom. Yes, I, I remember that. I remember that moment that we decided that I need to be near home. Mm-hmm. I need to be in hometown to heal. We had a doctor sitting, standing there telling us that. I remember that. And, you know, the insurance wants to guide you where they want to guide you. And it's usually always based on money. And um, that was... That was a huge moment there, that learning moment. That's good to know that. That's good to have that reflection, that the family, the pivotal role. So if, if you have a choice between, hopefully you don't have a choice, but if you have a choice between a higher ranked rehab facility versus family, you would choose family? I would choose, choose to go home near your family where you can be around people that love you, that can continue to advocate for you. You know, the people that, love you and you love that you know your family is often going to be your source of motivation to Mm -hmm. and for me seeing them every day and having them having them come visit me was a constant reminder of all right i gotta get up gotta keep fighting i'm amazed at you pam how when i asked the question was there, you know, was there a sacrifice? Was there a, a hiccup in your daily schedule? And you're like, nope. We went and got her family and we did this and we did this and this is just what we did. So I can see where your daughter gets her, her, her drive forward. <laughs> yeah, we are a very organized family. We like our schedules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like like everything written down and very on time. Mm-hmm. And the, the her fighting force was always for her family. Mm-hmm. That was her real motivation. And not mm-hmm. only did she have her family here, but she had other her people that she worked with mm-hmm. that were also close. Mm-hmm helped she knew quite a bit since she was in that field and I think they were a great support at the time absolutely and I I bet as a mom you because sometimes as moms I don't know I just feel like I want to lift the world and help a child but we can't do that we we can't prepare the world for the child we have to prepare the child for the world and it's the same with your daughter. We can do as much as we can, but it's your daughter's battle. It was Vanessa's battle to, to get up out of that bed, get her voice back, get her, get her walking back. And we are to support however, wherever we can. Right. And, uh, and trying not to interfere or go above her hus- her wishes or her husband's wishes mm-hmm. you know that's that was important too mm-hmm. to realize it's their their choice his choice and what they wanted to do if there was a problem with the family he was always there to support us with them too mm-hmm. so final question what words of advice do you have from your perspective, being the mother of, of Vanessa, 
What words of advice do you have for parents who have a child that goes through a critical illness like this, who has a spouse? You know, uh, keep your, your thoughts to yourself. Let them decide. It's their life, their children, and just do what you would do with your own child. Mm-hmm. How you'd raise your own child. And I think that's what they wanted. Vanessa knew how she was raised and she supported us and respected everything we did. Never, they never questioned what we would do. I had such immense comfort knowing she was here. I didn't, I never worried. I knew she was adored and loved beyond belief and she was going to be surrounded by the best people I could ever imagine caring for my child. It gave me such relief that that was the one area of my life that I could just not worry about. Mm -hmm. Everything else around me was falling apart. I didn't know what tomorrow would look like, but I did know that my child was safe and that she was loved. And that's the only thing that let me sleep at night, knowing that, you know, they were talking her in it in at night and reading her stories and making her dinner and getting her to school because I couldn't do any of that. And it gave me such, such comfort. What words of advice then do you have for care support, family members, friends, um, anybody who comes into the circle to help in this setting? Oh, you know, have patience with them. You know, it's a, it's a ugly, ugly place that they're in right now. Have patience with them. Try to understand, you know, my parents are wonderful. They, anything we asked of them, they were there. They were anything with my child. They were there. I'd say for any caregiver, patience is going to be a big one because there are very dark days. They're very hard days. You know, it depends on the severity of the the patient that, you know, days could be hard. You may be bathing them. You may have to drive them places for months or years. It's a big role to take on as caregiver. Make sure you're giving yourself breaks because that caregiver gets beat up a lot, not physically, but emotionally, mentally. Um, I know Dale had some hard times with me, so just being patient with them is going to be be huge. And I think the way you just stay patient is make sure you're, you as a caregiver, you're getting your, enough breaks for yourself that you're able to step away. Mm-hmm. Where's and the I wisdom? Had uh, somebody else that I wasn't always having be with the child. If mm-hmm. I if I had to do something with her she was taken care of by my husband. Mm-hmm. So that worked. It would be more difficult if it was just myself. Mm-hmm. It certainly takes a village, not just one person in a village. You know that village has got to be pretty strong and pretty deep because everybody needs breaks. And it takes a lot of people to care for one person. Mm-hmm. Not and- everybody... 
Go ahead, Sam. She did a lot when she was in rehab uh-huh. by organizing playtime for her child. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it wasn't just for my benefit, it was for her daughter's benefit too mm-hmm. with somebody else. She was able to organize that. That was huge. So she was in bed organizing playtime yeah. with somebody mm-hmm. else. Trying to make sure my parents had breaks. <laughs> oh, wow. You were thinking of them while you were healing? Oh, gosh, yes. I didn't want them to get burnt out because it's hard, you know? Raising kids is hard, and they're not in their 20s and 30s, and I wanted to make sure that they were getting breaks along with mm-hmm. my husband. I'd make sure other people could come fill in for two, three hours here or there so my parents could, I don't know, do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. So this is the episode of unconditional love and ending support, and it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you for your time. What a wonderful way to spend some time on Mother's Day, talking about the wonderfulness of mothers and how we support one another. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So, hey, SLPs, that concludes this episode of the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. Please visit my website at freshslp.com, follow me on Instagram, or jump on Facebook to connect in our safe and friendly Fresh SLP community, where we are empowering new and transitioning SLPs. If you found value in this episode, or in any way had an aha moment, or I gave you a fresh perspective, please show me some SLP love and support me on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, or subscribe to me on YouTube. You got this. 